to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. At some point in your life, it's likely that you've noticed some connection between your digestive system and your hormones, probably in the forming of, form of uncomfortable or annoying premenstrual bloating or the loose stools so many women experience like clockwork just before their period starts. But have you ever considered that acne, period pain, PMS, PCOS, endometriosis, or fibroids could be related to not just your hormones, but something going on in your gut? We tend to think of our reproductive and digestive systems as being entirely separate and unrelated. After all, we go to completely different doctors when there's trouble in one or the other, right? It's exactly how medicine works, seeing the body as separate compartments rather than as one whole organism. But what we've learned about gut health in the past decade shows us that we need to rethink this limiting view of health and physiology. The far-reaching effects of the microbiome on our total health is nothing short of astonishing. There's very little that isn't impacted by your microbiome. Today, we're going to focus on the important role of your microbiome on your hormone health, particularly when it comes to estrogen. But before we do that, I have a major announcement to make. Today, Wednesday, April 14th, 2021, is the official launch of my new book, Hormone Intelligence. It's been available for pre-order for a few weeks. Some of you have heard me talking about it, but today the festivities happen. I'm doing all these hand gestures in the background, guys. I talk with my hands. Even when you can't see me, you can imagine I am talking with my hands. I am a true New Yorker. (laughs) So what's happening with these festivities is that the book will officially be in your hands after June 8th when it hits the stores. I don't even have a copy of it yet. I'm working off of a galley copy. But between now and then, there are some amazing gifts if you pre-order the book, which you can do at avivaram.com forward slash book. Or you can get it at any place you buy your books usually, and then go to vivaram.com forward slash book. And there you will find not only a recording of me reading chapter one and access to a seven-day quick start and a gift of a webinar that's going to be coming along down the road in May. But as of right now, I am offering my famous 28-day gut reset totally free. So let me just tell you a minute about this course, and then we'll jump back into regular programming, as they say in the radio and TV world. The 28-day gut reset was something I created and ran for free in 2017, and we had 9,000 women sign up for it as the beta, and the results were like nothing I've ever seen in my life. I'm talking people coming off of blood pressure medication, sleep medication, Ritalin, women telling me they'd lost, you know, four inches in a month and 15 pounds. I mean, just really dropping weight. It was really astonishing. I don't usually even try to get people to like lose weight quickly in my practice, but people were seeing amazing changes. But not only that, women with PMS and period problems, better 
people with hair loss, high uh, antibodies with Hashimoto's improved. And there's even a baby named Avi, named after me, because the mama had been trying to get pregnant for several years. She tried everything. And then she did the reset. And two months later, she was pregnant and had a beautiful baby nine months after that. So it's just a phenomenal program. And it's 28 days. There's actually a 198-page book of all the content compiled that you get at the end. It's in this gorgeous format that we've created for my new website. And it's been thoroughly recreated so that it's a really deep focus on the gut hormone connection because it's such an important part of the book that's coming out. And I want you to be able to get started on it. And also on the gut immune connection, because that's really tied into Hashimoto's autoimmunity, but also things like endometriosis. So if you pre-order the book between now and April 24th, you'll actually get this free reset and be able to do it as a guided journey with me. If you buy the book and then get the gut reset, which will still be available for free through the end of June, um, after we join as a group, so we'll be going on for a month, you can jump in anytime, but you can also do it on your own. You'll have all the recordings of me talking to the group. You'll have all the access to the comments on the private Facebook page, and you'll have access to all of the materials on the special um, course page that de that's dedicated to it. I could easily charge hundreds of dollars for this course, but if y'all know me, I mean, I, my practitioner courses are a higher price point, but the courses that I create to help women take back their health personally are always at a good price point. And this one we've put at a price point of $197 because it is so comprehensive and so intensive also for me to run it and create it. But it is seriously completely free if you order one book. So all you have to do is pre-order the book, come back to avivaram.com forward slash book, do the little like step that shows that you pre-ordered the book and you will get enrolled in the course. You'll get a welcome email and we'll be starting together on April 24th. And hey, it's so much more fun to do these kind of programs with a friend or two or your mom and your sister or your daughter. So consider getting a couple of books and sharing them around. And then you can, um, if you show proof of purchase of two or three books, we'll give you extra access codes to give to the people that you love and want to share it with. So thank you for allowing me that little digression, that little public service announcement. You know, I've put 37 years of learning into hormone intelligence and three years of writing and editing and writing and editing. Um, it was actually a 300,000 word manuscript when I gave it to my publisher. My book contract was for 70,000, 70,000 words. It is a 400 page, 150,000 word book with a really nice size cookbook size. So it's really easy to use, but also the kind of book that I hope is with you for your lifetime. Like it takes you through all your life cycles. It will take you through your daughter's life cycles. It'll help you with friends and sisters and help them help themselves too. So it really is meant to be that go back to it, go back to it. And it's not just if you have a hormone problem, it's not just if you have a gynecologic problem, it's if you want to really understand your body and know your hormones and, and know yourself and learn to use your hormones, not as like, ugh, I'm hormonal, but as like, oh, this is an inner guidance system telling me something. So hormone intelligence over at avivaram.com forward slash book, grab it, 
grab your really wonderful gifts, and I hope to see you in the gut reset. All right, back to the gut hormone connection that we're talking about today. So first, let's start with kind of an estrogen 101. Before we jump into the actual gut-estrogen connection, I thought it might be helpful to have a little primer on estrogen. After all, what is it really? Estrogen is a hormone, but it's actually what we call, we kind of think of it as one hormone, estrogen. It's actually a collection of three chemically very, very similar molecules that play a role in the development and function of the female reproductive system from puberty through menopause and beyond, as well as in the health of our bones, memory, moods, cognitive function, heart and cholesterol levels, and so much more. There are three primary forms of estrogen, estrone or E1, which is primarily manufactured in the ovaries prior to menopause and can also be manufactured in our fat or what's called adipose tissue and our adrenal glands. While our total level of circulating estrogen declines after menopause, we do continue to produce estrogen and it's mainly in the form of estrone. Estradiol or E2 is the major form of estrogen produced in the ovaries in premenopausal women, so through most of our reproductive life cycles, though some of it's also manufactured by the adrenals and during pregnancy by the placenta. It's the most abundant one we produce during our reproductive years and also the most active and potent. It plays a major role in breast development, the characteristic distribution of fat in females, so you know why we have hips and a booty and boobs. It's also important for maintaining reproductive tissue health, so your breasts, your, um, your uh, uterus, and also supports bone growth, heart health, memory, and cognitive function. It's also the form of estrogen that if you have a problem like endometriosis, uterine fibroids, um, cyclic menstrual cycle symptoms like cyclic breast tenderness, migraines, etc. It's probably the one that's causing those when estrogen gets out of balance, which we're going to talk about. It's also the estrogen that typically plays a role in endometrial and breast cancers. So um, that you know, it's a very very potent form. Finally, there's estriol or E3, which is the least potent form of estrogen and predominantly produced in pregnancy by the placenta in large quantities. While estrogen levels are fluctuating constantly every day and throughout our life cycles, there are a couple of common denominators of estrogen imbalance and how they show up in our hormonal and gynecologic health. There's high estrogen levels and low estrogen levels. Excess estrogen can cause irregular periods, mood swings, weight struggles, headaches and migraines, acne, bloating, and other digestive system symptoms. And when estrogen levels remain too high for too long, that's when they can play a role in conditions like endometriosis, uterine fibroids, and also reproductive cancers. When estrogens, on the other hand, are too low, this can lead to problems with sleep, mood, vaginal dryness, urinary tract irritation and infections, low libido, loss of bone density, and if you're in perimenopause, worsened perimenopausal symptoms. One thing we've learned about the gut microbiome over the last decade is that it shares a particularly close role with estrogen. And I want to introduce you to something called your estrobolome. Remember the story of Goldilocks and the three bears? I mean, who doesn't, right? Goldilocks tried each porridge until she found the one that, as I used to say to my kids, was just right. You can think of your body's estrogen balance in a kind of Goldilocks sort of way. You want just the right amount, not too much, 
and not too little, or problems start to arise. Now, your body is genius. I mean, I mean genius with a capital G. Your body is G, totally brilliant. Get this. You have an entire department of your microbiome solely dedicated to the task of regulating your estrogen levels. I'm so excited about this, guys, and I'm actually like talking with fists in the air right now. It's called the estrobolome. Put that together, estrogen microbiome. We get estrobolome. And it's a unique microbiome within your gut microbiome made up of a collection of bacteria with special genes that help you metabolize estrogen. The estrobolome is central to keeping your estrogen levels, which are ever dynamic, as I said, through your monthly cycles and your life cycles, just right. Here's an overview of how you, how it works. First, you gain some and you lose some. Throughout our menstrual cycles during pregnancy and all the way into menopause, we produce estrogen day in and day out. After estrogen circulates through your body, doing all the things estrogen needs to do, from keeping your hair shiny and your menstrual cycles healthy to keeping your bones strong and your brain focused, it winds up in the liver where it's broken down into what are called estrogen metabolites. These are breakdown products of estrogen, some of which are actually kind of toxic to your body. So what your body does in the liver, it breaks these down with the help of a lot of different nutrients that are really important for detoxification processes, and it packages them with the help of more nutrients for elimination or reabsorption. To do this, these packages of metabolites are delivered to their final destination for that purpose of either elimination or reabsorption. That destination is your intestines. That's where the gut comes in here. And technically the liver is part of the gut. Let's not forget that either. Once in your intestines, estrogen is either eliminated or reabsorbed and recirculated throughout your body to do more of the work that estrogen does. Ideally, this balance of elimination and reabsorption creates just the right balance that your body thrives on of estrogen. Amazingly, this entire operation is guided by your estrobolome bacteria. They do this by producing an enzyme known as beta-glucuronidase, which breaks down estrogen into its active forms. And then they're either excreted or reabsorbed into your circulation back up through um, uh, hepatic recirculation to do their work in the body. The other way this is going on in your body with um, the gut-estrogen connection is that you literally are, you and your microbiome, your estrobolome, are a factory that can make estrogen from plants. As if the magic never ends, you can actually make estrogen from certain plant foods, especially leafy greens, legumes like lentils, garbanzo beans, and tofu, and some seeds like flax seeds. All of these contain compounds called phytoestrogens. They're naturally occurring plant compounds that are structurally or functionally similar to our own estrogens. Through a complex series of processes, a healthy estrobolome is able to take these phytoestrogens from plants and transform them into compounds that have estrogen-like compounds that our bodies can then use as well. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, Dr. Aviva, isn't too much estrogen a problem? Yes, it's true. We also try to avoid getting too much estrogen by avoiding things like potentially harmful xenoestrogens found in cleaning products, beauty products, and cosmetics, and other household things that we use. Those can harmfully increase our estrogen levels and wreak havoc on our hormonal health. But phytoestrogens 
may actually play a protective role in our overall health. When estrogen levels are high, they can block the estrogen receptors protecting you from the risks of excess estrogen exposure, the kind you get either from those breakdown products that I mentioned that are more toxic when you break down your own estrogen, and also when you're getting estrogen exposures from the environment, from these xenoestrogens. And if your estrogen levels are low, like around perimenopause, or for some reason you have low estrogen levels, getting these phytoestrogens from your diet can actually provide a bump up in your estrogen levels so that they stay well supported. When these two systems of estrogen metabolism are working the way they're supposed to, you absorb and excrete the right amount and balance of estrogen, creating happy, healthy hormone balance along the way. And here's a win-win. Healthy estrogen levels in turn support healthy gut function. Estrogen helps maintain the health and integrity of your gut lining, preventing leaky gut. So a total win-win. But here's the thing. Your estrobilome can only function properly if your microbiome is healthy and contains the right type and diversity of microorganisms. And when the estrobilome doesn't, which is an all too common problem, look, about 90% of women have gut symptoms. It can throw off not just your digestion, but also the delicate balance of estrogen in your body. And this can be happening even if you don't have gut symptoms. So it's something that if 90% of women we know have gut symptoms and dysbiosis, what about the rest of us who may not have it, but we know that so many people's gut microbiome is disrupted. There's a constant conversation taking place between your gut, your GI tract, and your endocrine system, one you probably never suspected, and perhaps only hear the whispers of in the form of symptoms that show up when there's a communication breakdown. That communication breakdown can happen in the form of common and troubling to actually common and significant hormone problems and gynecologic conditions, including premenstrual symptoms. Fluctuations in estrogen levels create the rhythm of menstrual cycles as you flow through each phase. But when your gut can't regulate properly your estrogen levels, imbalanced estrogen levels can contribute to bloating, menstrual migraines, heavy periods, and with it, increased period pain. Research shows that a disrupted gut microbiome is crucially involved in the onset and progression of endometriosis. Women with endometriosis have been found to have higher amounts of dysbiosis overall, as well as bacterial overgrowth in the estrobilome, leading to higher estrogen levels that stimulate endometrial tissue growth. With endometriosis, um, women also have a high, women with endometriosis also have significantly higher rates of IBS, suggesting an important connection between endo and a disrupted gut microbiome. Studies have shown that women with PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, have significantly lower microbial diversity in their gut. Further, dysbiosis in women may contribute to both insulin resistance and increased testosterone, two of the main hallmark hormone shifts in PCOS that drive symptoms like hair loss, acne, and growth of hair in unwanted areas. High estrogen levels can lead to cyclic breast pain. Recent research has also found that your gut microbiome affects the microbiome of your breast tissue, an amazing example of the interconnection of what seems like separate areas of our body. 
Because of estrogen's various roles in the body, combined with the gut's influence over all of our systems, research has shown that that estrobilome disruption also can impact cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, cognitive function, including a decline in memory, and estrogen-related cancers, including endometrial, cervical, ovarian, and breast cancers. A healthy microbiome is made up of a wide variety, I should say a very wide variety, of organisms in the right amounts and located in the right places throughout your body and throughout your gut. It should be kind of like the Amazon rainforest, lush and full of different species that work together to create a vibrant and energetic ecosystem. Unfortunately, a lot like we've seen so much destruction destruction and, dis- and denuding of the rainforest due to modern industrial you know, tree cutting practices, farming and et cetera, we also see the, the modern impact of, of our, on our microbiome. We see essentially a stripping of our microbiome, not dissimilar to the stripping that we see in the Amazon rainforest. Now, if you're already somewhat gut savvy or you're a frequent visitor to my blog and social media pages, you've probably heard of dysbiosis, a problem that arises when gut microbes get knocked out of balance. This can show up in a couple of ways, and most commonly actually as a combination of both because they interrelate to each other. One is bacterial overgrowth. The other is low microbial diversity. Bacterial overgrowth is when certain bacterial species that you don't want present in high levels get the upper hand and start to overproliferate. When this occurs in your estrobilome, too much beta-glucuronidase activity can elevate circulating estrogen levels excessively and can lead to all sorts of problems in your endocrine system, like I've mentioned, heavy periods, painful periods, PCOS, fertility challenges. Also, it can lead to chronic and recurrent vaginal infections, mood swings, monthly breast pain, and more. Too much estrogen can also lead to the serious conditions I've mentioned like endometriosis, uterine fibroids, and even breast and endometrial cancers. On the flip side, low microbial diversity is also a problem. When there aren't enough of the right types of microbes in your gut to metabolize estrogens, you may experience lower beta-glucuronidase activity. The consequences of this are twofold. First, your estrobilome isn't able to adequately convert estrogen to its active form. And second, you can't convert and use those plant-protective estrogens as well. This leads to an overall low estrogen state in the body. Less estrogen is produced and available to enter the blood bloodstream and go on to perform its important roles. Low microbial diversity, especially if you start losing some of the good gut organisms, actually leads to overgrowth of the more harmful ones, or even some of the ones that aren't harmful until they grow out of control. So I'm an I'm a avid gardener. If you intensively plant your garden and you have healthy plants and good soil, you actually don't get very many weeds because there's not a lot of room for them to grow and they just don't proliferate. If you don't intensively plant your garden and you don't have good soil, then weeds can pop up everywhere. And once weeds start popping up and they're allowed to go to seed, then um, you end up with an overgrowth of weeds. So it's in the same way the low diversity acts to fill up the spaces on your gut wall. So you can't get that proliferation of the bacterial overgrowth, but also like good soil, they keep the pathogens in control. So you just stay in the right gut balance. So what causes this dysbiosis? Dys meaning abnormal and biosis relating to the microbiome or actually abnormal life. Biosis is life. Microbiome disruption is a common fact of modern living. Most people actually are experiencing some level of it. 
Topping the long list of reasons why our gut microbiome can become imbalanced and negatively affect the estrobilome are a diet low in fiber. Our paleo ancestors got 100 grams of fiber on average in their daily diet. According to the American Cancer Society, um, you have to get about 30 grams of fiber in your diet a day just to prevent colon cancer. What's the average amount of fiber that most Americans are getting? 15 grams. So almost 10% of what our ancestors were getting for healthy gut and healthy hormones and um, half of what the recommendation is even for colon cancer prevention. Your gut also requires good health, good quality fats. So trans fats, unhealthy fats, um, they feed unhealthy gut flora where good quality fats like olive oil, avocados, fats that you get from nuts and seeds help support the good gut flora. Fruits and vegetables. Um, a study done by the Centers for Disease Control some years recent, just a few years ago, around 2017, found that on average in every state, most Americans are getting only 14 to 16% of their daily recommended amount of fruits and vegetables. And that's the daily amount recommended by the FDA. It's not, or it's not even like the optimal amount. That's the bare minimum amount that people are getting 14 to 16% of. We need eight to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day, both for the phytonutrients that they provide, that substrate for the phytoestrogens I was talking about. And yes, sometimes I say phytoestrogen and sometimes I say phytoestrogen. You may have noticed that one of my best friends is British and we talk about, and over the years, we've been friends for like 25 years and we've talked about hormone health a lot. And he says estrogen and it just stuck for me. He says garage too. I don't say that. I do say garage, but um, you'll hear me sometimes say phytoestrogen or estrogen. Um, but we have to have um, enough fruits and vegetables to provide what we need. And so eight to 10 servings a day, which isn't really that hard to get if you eat a really big salad a day, eat like a sweet potato and some greens with dinner, maybe you know once in a while get some green juice in, really important. And then a diet high in sugar and processed foods. You know, I know it sounds like so wellnessy. Oh, don't eat sugar, don't eat processed foods. But um, for real, actually we know that sugar, I actually, I jokingly say to my patients when they tell me they have sugar cravings, I'm like, just say my microbiome made me eat it. Because actually dysbiosis can make you crave sugar, but also eating sugar feeds bacteria. Think about this. It also feeds yeasts in your gut. So a lot of people get worried about candida. How do you make bread or how do you make wine? You ferment yeast, you ferment something with either added yeast and some sugar or the um, grapes themselves have sugar in them and they ferment, right? So for anything to ferment, for any like bacteria or yeasts to grow, they need something to thrive on. And the things that the not good bacteria thrive on are poor quality fats, high sugar and processed foods. The things that they don't thrive on and that also the good bacteria thrive on are high fiber, good quality fats, and lots and lots of fruits and vegetables. Additionally, chronic stress can really disrupt the microbiome. We all know the experience of having to take a final exam and have to poop five times before we take the exam. I used to call it my, my medical board's diet. It was just like, that happens to me. I don't usually get nervous about a lot of things, but um, taking, taking tests I do. And, you know, we all have had the experience of like stress making us run to the bathroom or stress making you constipated or stress causing gut, you know, dis, dis, like symptoms, bloating or tension or discomfort. And we know the expression, the butterflies in our gut. I mean, the butterflies in our stomach when we're nervous. So 
Chronic stress affects the gut, who's not under chronic stress, really, most people. The overuse of antibiotics and other medications, in, uh, including NSAIDs like ibuprofen, inadequate sleep and circadian rhythm disruption, and a sedentary lifestyle. I'm going to talk more about what you can do about all these in a minute. If you're listening and not reading my article at the same time, because you're out and about doing something, or you're just chilling and listening to a podcast, over at my website, if you look for um, avivaram.com and go and just search um, estrobolome or gut, you'll pull up this article or just go to my website and search avivaram.com forward slash 148. That's the number 148 because we're in episode 148 of Natural MD Radio. And in the article that accompanies this podcast, you'll find all kinds of links. You'll find a link to an article on the overuse of antibiotics and why it's such a problem and what you can do about that. You'll find a link to an article on the root causes of endometriosis, PCOS, uh, period problems, lots and lots of resources over there so that if you are really interested in reading, you can link over to the next article and the next article, and they all have podcasts. So if you're a listener and not a reader, um, you can just listen. Um, and if you want to then bookmark stuff or share it, you can come back to it later, show it to someone else. Um, you've got all the details written for you. So like when I talk about supplements and I talk about doses, you don't have to remember that while you're running, or you don't have to like pull your car over to write something down. You can just go back to avivaram.com, look through my blogs, or for this one, avivaram.com forward slash 148. So our modern lifestyles have stripped away the elements that nourish a healthy microbiome, like eating a fiber-rich diet and getting enough exposure to healthy bacteria found in nature and eating fermented foods, creating the perfect storm for most of us to experience dysbiosis. And it's not usually just one trigger that catapults things from healthy to unhealthy. More often, it's persistent, chronic exposure to seemingly small things that start to pile up. The good news is that while studies show that it actually only takes a few days of eating junk food to completely muck up your microbiome, on the other hand, studies also show that with the right foods and simple lifestyle shifts, like a little bit of stress reduction, for example, we can restore or promote microbiome health in a really short span of time, just a couple of weeks. So what do you do to restore a healthy gut microbiome? And what do you do to restore a healthy gut hormone connection? Healing your microbiome and with it your estrobolome is not only a key to hormonal health, but we know that a healthy gut also leads to lowered stress levels, improved stress tolerance, less depression and anxiety, and less inflammation. In other words, it's good for you. In my new book, Hormone Intelligence, I provide you with a complete protocol for healing your gut and with it your microbiome, but you can get started today with the first steps to restoring microbiome health just listening to the rest of this episode. More than any form of um, testing, like I know gut testing is really, really popular, um, the best gauge that things are moving in the right direction is either if you have gut symptoms, you're seeing an improvement in those, or if you have hormonal symptoms or hormonal conditions, you're seeing an improvement in those. You can see an improvement in gut symptoms in just a week or two or less. It may take three months, six months, depending on how serious and entrenched your hormone conditions are. A little bit of um, period pain or PMS symptoms, they may clear up in one or two cycles. But if you have more significant endometriosis or PCOS symptoms, you want to give yourself three to six months and really make this a lifestyle. So here are some of the things that you can get started with um, 
before you get my book in your hands, Hormone Intelligence. Um, and of course, um, I'll, I'll tell you again at the end how to access the Gut Reset course because it's something that's going to be available forever. Well, I hope forever. But um, right now, it's available with that very, very special offer. So the first thing you want to do is remove triggers of bacterial overgrowth. Now, I'm not into overly restrictive diets. In fact, I strongly advise against them. Don't follow one myself. And when it comes to hormone and gut health, they actually suffer when diets are too strict. But when it comes to the food groups I'm about to talk with you, there is a time and a place for 86ing them, like booting them out. And it's not about taking away the things you love. It's about allowing your body the space it needs to heal without triggers getting in the way and making room for the foods that do support your body and truly make you feel good. So the first is sugar. Diets high in sugar, as I mentioned, alter the microbiome by favoring the growth of unwanted species of bacteria that contribute to chronic inflammation, weight struggles, blood sugar imbalances, and further gut dysfunction with problems like leaky gut. And when you're filling up on sugar, you're also missing the nutrients that the good flora thrive on. Alcohol. It's got to go. Research shows that alcohol itself can raise estrogen levels in the long and the short term. And one of the ways it does this is thought to be by negatively impacting the estrobilome. It doesn't mean that you have to kiss, you know, a drink of wine or a, a, a vodka soda goodbye forever, but it is a really good reason to let it go for now until your hormones are where you want them to be. Um, and, you know, your gynecologic symptoms are where you want them to be. And for most women, honestly, I really recommend not having a drink more than once in a blue moon. What's a blue moon? It's when you have a full moon twice in, in a month, and that happens a couple of times a year. So save your drinks for blue moons. It's great. Or at least keep it to just one once a week at the most. But honestly, even that, if you're struggling with dysbiosis or hormone problems, can be really too much. And for those of you who are listening that um, have heard of the term SIBO, SIBO is a form of gut dysbiosis, just so you know. So SIBO is um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It's, it fits into that bacterial bad bug overgrowth that I talked about. All right, the next, next thing that has to go are processed foods. Eating a diet of highly processed foods for just three days has been shown to have a detrimental impact on gut health and especially the microbiome. And eating that way for 10 to 14 days can reduce your microbiome diversity by 40% which means an estrobilome that's in deep trouble. So out with all the processed foods. If it comes in plastic packaging, if it's got more words on it, on the ingredients than just like two things, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, like um, um, what would be t an ingredient with two things? Like uh, sea salt and uh, beans. <laughs> that's, that's like two ingredients, you know? Um, or one ingredient. I, I talk about the one ingredient diet sometimes, which is like if you go into my pantry, there's a bottle of millet, there's a bottle of brown rice, there's a, you know a thing of cauliflower there in my refrigerator, there are carrots. It's like the one thing. It's that food is the ingredient. There's salmon, there's eggs. They only have one thing in them. Um, so you know, think about simplifying foods that don't have a lot of ingredients in them. And if they have things you can't pronounce, it's ultra processed or processed. If it doesn't look like anything you'd ever find in nature, it's definitely ultra processed and get rid of it. Most fast food from conventional fast food chains, ultra processed. 
All right, finally, this isn't actually food, but it's something that comes along with our food, and that's environmental pollutants. Pesticides, herbicides, and a number of environmental chemicals have a double whammy. They can get negatively, uh, they can negatively impact the microbiome, and also they act directly as endocrine disruptors. So to support a healthy microbiome, you really have to reduce your overall exposure to environmental pollutants by choosing organic whenever you can and avoiding other endocrine disruptors, which I've been talking about with you. So the next thing in, you know, after you want to kind of like remove the triggers is feed your good flora. And one of the ways to do that is with plant diversity. And I love this step because you're basically just adding beneficial foods to create a robust, vibrant diet that literally feeds you and the estrogen metabolizing organisms in your gut. And they're part of a delicious, healthful way of eating. So it's pretty simple. You want to eat a wide variety of plant foods. Your body needs a wide diversity of plant-based foods to truly thrive. Eating a wide variety ensures that you're getting both a lot of different nutrients and phytochemicals and also the fibers, nutrients, starches um, in healthy that the healthy gut microbiome depends on. So the way I recommend doing it is what I call eating a rainbow. I did not make that up. And I know it sounds kind of funny, but think about every meal when you put what you put on your plate, having there be a rainbow um, on that plate or at least over the course of the day. So if you make a green salad, Use some really good like romaine or butter crunch lettuce, not iceberg lettuce, which is sort of green, but sort of white. Use green lettuce and then grate a carrot. Boom, you've got your orange. Chop a little bit of red cabbage. Boom, you've got your purple red. Um, Add some uh, uh, sprouts. You've got some more green. You can add some garbanzo beans and then you've got some chickpeas that add that good legume-based phytoestrogens. Add some flax seeds or pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds and you've got seeds that help your your hormones and your estrobilum, and you've got a huge variety of, of um, nutrients in there. As part of that, you're upping your plant-based fiber, and the best food on the planet for supporting microbiome health is fiber from plant foods, and especially greens in the brassicaceae family. So broccoli, cabbages, kale, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, collards, napa cabbage, bok choy. These are all an important source of phytoestrogens, but they also have the added bonus of helping to keep estrogen levels healthy by supporting detoxification in the liver and the elimination of harmful environmental estrogens as well. And then you also want to add phytoestrogen-rich lignin foods. Lignins are the special type of fiber that the estrobilome bacteria convert to phytoestrogens using that beta-glucuronidase enzyme that I mentioned. In addition to leafy greens that I mentioned, lentils and chickpeas, you can use whole soy foods like tofu and tempeh and flax seeds as amazing sources to support um, getting more phytoestrogens from your diet. You also want to reseed your gut. Pre and probiotic rich foods are often not a priority on our modern plates, but fermented foods like yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, and kimchi are a part of a traditional are, are, are traditional part of almost the diet of almost every culture on the planet. And their importance for the health of your microbiome can't be overstated. Like a probiotic supplement, but even more powerful, these foods provide beneficial species of bacteria to repopulate your estrobilome. Prebiotics are important because they are foods that contain a special form of starch, fructooligosaccharides, and inulin that beneficial bacteria thrive on and in turn produce important nutrients, including short-chain fatty acids like butyrate, acetate, and propionate, you don't have to remember those, that support intestinal health. 
Prebiotic foods include artichokes, leeks, onions, asparagus, garlic, beetroot, green peas, grapefruit, and legumes. I don't always recommend adding an actual probiotic supplement, especially if you're eating plenty of the prebiotic and probiotic-rich foods I just talked about. But if you have any form of significant dysbiosis, adding a probiotic with the right species can be an extra layer that helps restore the normal balance of flora in your gut. You want to choose a probiotic that contains at least 10 billion colony-forming units of a variety of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium strains. If you're not sure what that looks like, you can go over to my website, avivaram.com. In the navigation tab, you can um, look for the, the replenish formulary. It is a company that I use for my medical practice, my friends and family, and personally for supplements. And they allow me to give you access to it also. So it's not me selling supplements to you. They're selling the supplements to you. And they let me do it in a way that gives you 20% off always. And they're just a really verified high-level company. You can go there, get an account, and you don't have to spend a penny. You can just look in my gut health section, and you'll see some of the probiotic companies that I use and some of the products that I use in my practice. And then you can go get them wherever you want to, or if you want to get them there with the 20% off from a company that I trust that is verified to you know, have quality, um, uh, um, quality control over their products that they buy and how they store them, then you can do that. And if you want to learn more about my relationship with that company and how it all works, just go to the formulary on my website. It's easy to find. Um, it's also in the sidebar of any of my blog category pages, and you can you can learn about them. So I do recommend taking them for um, taking them daily for a couple of months. You can take them once a day or twice a day, and then back down to a few days a week once you feel that they've been beneficial for you. You can also discontinue them at any time and just make sure to get probiotic foods in your diet. I eat some sauerkraut or kimchi five days a week. Um, I love it, first of all. I, I'm I'm not the person who goes for like the sweet treats. Like sometimes for a snack, I'll just go down and get a small thing of sauerkraut. I know I'm really weird, but I also drink the pickle juice from my lacto-fermented pickles. I like sour things. So it got me through my nausea and pregnancy when I was pregnant too. I like I really like sour things. So um, if you like, you know, lacto-fermented pickles, like Bubby's pickles, like you can get those pretty much anywhere. They are lacto-fermented pickles if you get the dill pickles. Um, sauerkraut, kim, uh, you know, kimchi, they're all so delicious and healthful. And you can make your own. I've even got a kimchi recipe over on my website. All right, finally, you want to live a lifestyle that supports microbial diversity. It's not just about what we eat and don't eat. Um, any activity that brings you into contact with the soil outdoors, with plant life and pets or animals that spend time outdoors increases your opportunity for exposure to microbial diversity. This doesn't just help your gut. We actually know that this actually prevents allergies and asthma. I, Like I said, I'm an avid gardener. I, I went out and worked in my garden the other morning and then I came in and I was actually leading a, a, a two-day intensive and at some point I was like talking, I was on Zoom and I looked down and realized that I hadn't gotten the soil out from underneath my fingernails. So I hope I didn't look like I had dirty fingernails. It's why some women herbalists, you know, like you wonder like, oh my gosh, these women are so all natural. Why do they all paint their fingernails? It's because most of us, I don't usually paint my fingers, but it's a lot of us, we've talked about this, um, often have <laughs> dirt under our fingernails from, from harvesting things. It's kind of hilarious, but I do actually have clean fingernails now. I have a nail brush and I, I do keep them clean, just so you know, as a doctor and a midwife. But getting 
exposure to soil is so important. So here are some of the ways you can get more exposure to plant life and outdoors and animals and all that. So if you have kids or a pet, play outside with them and don't be afraid to get dirty. I don't just want you to embrace your kids getting messy. I want you to take after them. Work in your garden or take care of your yard if you have one and don't herbicide and pesticide it. Even creating a simple herb garden can expose you to more beneficial bacteria if you're digging around outside. Not so much if you buy sterilized soil, but if you buy bags of organic unsterilized soil, you can get that exposure. Ideally, purchase organic foods through a CSA or at your local farmer's markets where they're fresh from the soil. And yes, do wash them, but you don't need to go overboard scrubbing them. And get more exercise. Adequate daily movement is an important part of microbiome health. As my friend Robin Chutkin, the gastroenterologist says, if you're not moving, you're not moving. Meaning if you don't get out and exercise, you're not going to be moving your bowels either. So important microbiome health is also relates to healthy elimination. And so get some daily exercise, get it outside. Gardening is a great way to get exercise too, if you can. The gut hormone connection is powerful and it influences our life in more ways than we ever previously imagined. It's yet another reason that whole woman medicine is so important compared to the type of siloed healthcare most physicians are taught to practice. Even in the wellness, integrative, and functional medicine world, we're so often seeing articles about hormone health and gut health, but not that many about the connection between them. While it may not be the first thing we think about when we're struggling with a hormone challenge, improving the health of your gut microbiome can be a really important part of your total journey toward health and your journey toward hormone health. And I really hope the strategies that I've shared help you unlock this for yourself and help you discover that it's truly all connected. Thank you so much for joining me today on Natural MD Radio. If you have found this helpful, if you love it, if you just love hearing me rant on and on about things, then please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you're not already, you can subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts, share it with someone you love who you think would really enjoy it or benefit from it. And make sure if you have a minute to drop a, um, a a review over on iTunes or where you listen to podcasts, because the more stars we get, the more other women get this information. And if you're looking for more like this and you want to take the next steps, I just want to remind you, my new program, I'm calling it Women, Gut, and Soul, the 28-Day Gut Hormone Reset. It's a journey through how your gut is central to your hormone health as well as your immune health and how to restore gut hormone balance. So we'll have four weeks together to take a deep dive into gut hormone health with all the resources you need to create a happy gut, happy hormones, and um, and you get to do it along with me, which is pretty fun, I think. I, I try to really make these programs really rich for you. So to access that, you would go to my website and look for the gut reset under courses. Or if it's between um, today, April 14th, 2021, and the end of June, 2021, go over to avivaram.com forward slash book. I'm not kidding. You can pre-order my book or order my book after June 8th, if uh, before it's a pre-order, Hormone Intelligence, depending on where you get it, it's anywhere from $18 to $24, and you get a $197 28-day course, totally free. And again, you can uh, have a friend join you too. So get a couple of books, share it, and we'll make sure that both of you get access. I'll see you next week on Natural MD Radio. It's been so fun being here with you. Have a great week. <laughs> 
hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.